This is Sean, and you're listening to Promise, a podcast showcasing the heroes of tomorrow. Every episode is an exploration on the idea of promise itself. Whether that's the potential for success or the commitments we make to get there, I speak with exceptional, purpose-driven people on their journeys to change the world. To begin Season 2, I speak with Sarah Smith, co-founder of Circler. Circler is out to promote a circular economy by helping businesses understand the value of their waste streams. Billing themselves as the Tinder for Trash, Circular aims to match these waste streams to businesses looking for those exact inputs. In a wide-ranging conversation, Sarah and I speak about her operational expertise in the fashion industry, why a circular economy should be more valuable for businesses, the data problem behind it all, the changing winds of regulation, rubbing shoulders with famous people, and ultimately, doing this all for the kids. Please enjoy my discussion with Sarah Smith. Today on the show, we welcome Sarah Smith, co-founder of Circler. Circler bills itself as the Tinder for Trash. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me here. No problem at all. Welcome to the Promise Podcast. You are our very first guest of 2023 and also our very first international guest outside of Australia. So very glad to have you on board. Very glad to expand the horizons of the podcast. Also very keen to hear what Tinder for Trash actually means. I'm very excited to be the first of 2023. It's a big year ahead. So yeah, we are Circla, the Tinder for Trash. We are an app that helps businesses become circular a lot more easier. Our goal is to make circular economies as easy as getting rid of your waste. Excellent. Well, easier said than done, but we'll dig into the details of how that actually works in a second. I'd love to give our listeners a little bit more detail about who you are. So to begin with, you used to work in fashion, and now you're the co-founder of a tech company. How would you best describe yourself and what it is you do? I'm a designer, and after many years of working in the fashion industry, I've become really interested in simplifying systems and the different processes that we were using. While I was in fashion, I worked a lot on trends and innovation. And while I was doing trends and innovation, obviously a huge push came forward for sustainable options and circular economy. So I spent a lot of time researching and working with suppliers to build these up for our fashion brands. That's when the big focus came on, on the systems change because I realized to be truly circular or to be sustainable, we couldn't just do it in the normal methods that we were using before and that we needed to be a little bit more collaborative. And I guess fashion was a really good stepping stone for this because it has been such a big trend for so many years. And now that other businesses and other industries are really starting to adapt, it was kind of good learning processes. We did a lot of great things and a lot of mistakes. So now I feel like we are in a better position to be able to make a platform to make it a lot more easier for other industries across the board to be more circular. Really interesting. I think a, a good piece of detail for other people to have as well is whereabouts were you working in fashion? I have been in China for the past six to seven years. I was based there. And then prior to that, I was also based in Australia, but working in China most of my time. Recently, I was with H&M, where I was the trend developer and innovation 
lead there for the jersey supply chain. So my job was basically getting trends and different components ready for our design team two years ahead of when they will be needing it. So a lot of that will be looking into the trends, seeing what the fabrics needed to be like, being able to work with the suppliers, getting them tested, trying to make sure we had the correct hand feel coming up for the next season, the correct kind of washes, new print techniques. And yeah, that's what I did. We had suppliers throughout Asia and throughout Europe, which I would travel to very often. And I actually really loved working in the factories. A lot of the time was spent going to big fashion events, as well as a lot of shopping trips. But my heart really belonged working in the factories, working with the technicians, because that's where I felt I could make the most progress. Excellent. Okay, now we've got a little bit of a better understanding of where you've come from. Let's talk about the issues that you're trying to solve. So you've mentioned, well, it's in the business name, Circular. You've mentioned the circular economy. So how would you define what that actually is for people who have never heard the term before? We always think of circular economies about keeping resources in use and reducing this take-make-waste linear process that which we currently use throughout many different industries. And what I realize is that a lot of the time when we talk about circular economies or when you hear people talking about circular economies, it really always comes down to consumers and what the consumers are doing with the different waste. And once it gets out to consumers, many countries are not set up to be able to take the different waste streams. And this certainly was true within the fashion industry. So what we want to do is instead of trying to put the responsibility always on the consumer, is actually just try to show those businesses that are doing well, that are being transparent and are reducing their own waste. It's really hard to control what other people are doing or what other businesses are doing. One thing that you can control is what you are doing with your own business and what you are doing with your own waste. At the start, it was really hard trying to build that critical mass so that you didn't just have a couple of buckets of waste that could be of use, you needed to build a volume. And I think this is the biggest problem when it comes to circular economies, and that's trying to be able to scale circular economies. So this is what our business does. We're on a business level, not so much a consumer level, where we are understanding what waste businesses are producing, and if there is scale enough for it to be a resource for the next business. Excellent. Thank you so much. There's a couple of golden nuggets in there that I'd like to pick up on. Looking back at your work in the fashion industry, when you've been looking at how you could better source recycled raw materials, I guess, the inputs to make textiles and whatnot, how would you have found suppliers to begin with of these recycled materials? We'll start off with that question, and then I've got a couple more. I was working obviously for a very big company. We had many different suppliers. So I was able to then contact all those suppliers within the same region to ask them to notify me when they had different waste streams that they were about to throw away. Because at that time, there was no recycling of these different waste streams. If they were big offcuts, maybe it could be made into something else, but most of the time it wasn't. So we were trying to do systems like this and it just constantly failed. It was really hard or sometimes someone will be cutting recycled cotton but then there was no one to pick it up until later and so they didn't want to hold it and it'll be thrown away and this happened all the time but to me that wasn't actually the hardest part because once we did have a few suppliers working together and we were able to then make this yarn and then reuse it the hardest part for me was when the buyers weren't picking it up 
but why? Mm-hmm. It's actually really circular and like it's really good. But we had no way to prove it. So even within our own company, and we had these great suppliers, it wasn't getting picked up because we had no way to prove that this actually was truly sustainable, that we had reduced our own waste. So circular, we've just really streamlined that process for a lot of businesses. We've streamlined the process in three different methods. We have the measuring, so people are actually able to measure and understand how much waste they have the trading to be able to turn that waste into somebody else's resource, and then traceability, so the tracking of where that waste stream is going. So you know for sure someone's not picking up and saying, yeah, yeah, I can use it, and it's not being used. Yeah, understood. It's actually quite positive to hear that all of this stemmed from your time working in the fashion industry, and the fashion companies themselves are thinking about how they might better their processes to contribute to the circular economy and be less one directional with how they take in raw materials. If anybody's been following this space, there's plenty of articles about where textiles go to die, basically, and and they're not pretty images. It's positive to hear that there is change happening slowly, but happening. It's by no means perfect, no. So you've touched a little bit on how Circular actually works. Now, you've mentioned there's three components to it. You've gone into a little bit of detail about what they are. I would love for you to share more about how you envision all of this working together. At the moment, when we think about waste, we don't really know a lot about it. It's really easy to put your recycling out and put your waste out and then it just goes. And that's fine at a consumer level, but now it's starting to get a little bit more stricter on a business level. People are wanting more traceability and a bit more honesty, I guess, when it comes to your sustainability reporting People want to support businesses that are being sustainable. But with so much greenwashing going on, it's really hard to choose those businesses. And for some businesses that are doing amazing, they're not even wanting to mention it in case they get accused of greenwashing. So it's quite hard on two different levels there. What we first do is we help businesses understand what their waste is. It's like an ongoing waste audit. Basically, they're able to measure their waste. And without this kind of understanding of what your waste is, how often it's made and what volumes you're making, you don't know whether it is waste or if it is a resource. Understand, hang on, this could be a resource to someone. We do have a volume of this. Understand like how often they are producing this waste. This could be a wasted opportunity. So we first help businesses identify that. It's just all through an app and it just, gives your measurements and your tracking of how you're going throughout the year with the different waste streams. And the next, once you start understanding that you do have a volume of a different waste stream, we actually help you trade. And that's where our Tinder works. So it's like a matchmaking where we turn your waste into a resource. Now, some businesses have quite strict requirements on where their byproducts end up. And so, you know, they can filter it down. So only people that are a good match for them are shown. Through that, they're able to make a trade. Now their waste could possibly be turning into a revenue or perhaps they're able to find charities a lot quicker so that they can give their items to charity while it is still good. And this helps them turn it into a resource so they're able to then calculate where that waste is going, what region have been impacting from this waste, what are your social impact from this waste. Maybe you're helping really cool small community businesses or maybe you are sending off to a larger business that is able to take a lot more waste streams on. And again, that's up to the business to decide on how 
they want that reporting to go. We don't decide for the business, that's up to them. And then finally, it's the traceability. We trace the waste so we can show you where that waste has gone, how much carbon you have reduced from not sending this to landfill. And it's just a bit more of a positive kind of talk rather than carbon offsetting where we're kind of just replanting. You're actually having some proof now that, hey, we don't need to offset because we've got proof that this action has actually happened. It's just traceability and proof of really cool actions that a lot of businesses are already doing, but there's no way to communicate this. This then helps those businesses that have large volumes of waste, and then it helps those businesses that are trying to make sustainable businesses out of rescued items. So if your product is a byproduct of something and you don't want to say, hey, we're using recycled content because there's not a lot of regulations on this labeling and some people are scared to have it again because of greenwashing. Now you can just prove it because you've got all these actions verified and traced. Okay, so let's say hypothetically I'm a customer of Circler. I am a large organization that generates some amount of waste and ordinarily that waste goes to landfill. Now, I would imagine before encountering Circular, I would just go, here's my waste, take it to landfill, I don't need to think about it. So at the heart of your system, by the sounds of it, that company would then need to log what's in their waste and be able to separate waste A from waste B in order to understand what are the potential revenue streams each type of waste that they've generated can bring to them. So it sounds like there's a lot of... I guess, data entry that needs to happen from the company side. Is that how it works or or is there an automated way of doing this? At the moment, that is how it works. And it is a data problem. Waste and circular economies are actually a data problem because if you don't know what you have, you don't know what's a resource, you know. You don't know who's going to want it. You don't know how much. It is literally just waste. So in New Zealand, there's been some policy changes, especially within the construction industry, where they do have to show that waste has been diverted from landfill. So for a lot of the green sites here, they have already started separating on site and being able to measure. And I think this will become a practice throughout. When we say measuring your waste, as a business, you kind of know what is your high volume waste. So we are looking in the food industry at the moment. So for that, There might be waste that is still edible or there might be waste that is maybe good for stock feed or renewable energy. Now, actually, both of those resources have either gone to charity or they'll just all be put into one pile and either go to stock feed or to landfill. Now, how we separate it now is that that's actually of value and people want these resources. We allow them to be able to see what businesses are nearby that could take these different resources on, and they are actually able to make a profit from this. You mentioned that you're currently dealing with waste in the food industry. Was that right? Yeah. Okay. Thinking about that, that definitely has a limited shelf life, obviously, because food can go bad. And you mentioned way back at the start of our discussion that one of the issues that you faced in the fashion industry was nobody was coming to pick it up. How do you ensure that somebody comes to pick up this resource slash waste that has a limited shelf life that might go bad? Do you know, this is actually one of our most common questions. It's like, you know, who's transporting it? And the thing is, like right now, like a lot of the food supply is already being transported. There are trucks, there are transportation companies out there. We are working with a few different transportation companies. But as it is now, there are solutions to be able to pick up this waste 
And when you are putting in the waste in the app, you're actually able to put in when this is going to be picked up and put in the career that's coming for it. A lot of these businesses already do have companies that they are currently working with. It's the same with the stock fee. If you were a farmer and you needed this, like most of the time you actually have your own trucks and you're just trying to find more volume. You're trying to scale. So it's not necessarily a brand new concept. These businesses are looking to scale. They're looking for more opportunities. It's already in the industry that they are already working in. Right. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. Thank you. So ultimately though, for a lot of these businesses, while the infrastructure may be there and you're providing a platform that enables this matching, it still does sound like quite a bit of a behavior change required. So how would you encourage that or how would you speak to customers, multiple businesses to say, hey, you might want to consider thinking a little bit differently? It is a behavior change, but that's not something that I'm unused to because, again, it was a behavior change years ago when we were in the fashion industry and we're trying to tell people, like, oh, can you please hold on to this waste? If you happen to be cutting something that is 100% polyester day or 100% cotton, do you mind holding on to this waste so that we can build something? And they were like, what are you talking about? This sounds crazy. I'm not holding on to rubbish. And so it is a bit of behavior change, but over my time um, within the fashion industry, there were some suppliers and some businesses that decided, hey, you know what, if I only did this type of fabric, I'm actually able to get a revenue not only from the products that I'm making, but from the waste stream. And this is now actually coming up to be a more financially viable business than if I was cutting different types of fabrics and trying to aim for the cheaper products. I now got a higher quality product. People know that I am good at recycling this product. So people are now wanting to place the orders with me because I've got a better reputation. And overall, that business never had to go back to cutting the polyester anymore because they were actually making a better financial model for themselves, understanding what their waste streams were and that they were making better outputs. So yeah, there is going to be a bit of a change and it's not going to be for everyone at the start. But you will see that it is financially rewarding and the whole point of the business is that we want it to be rewarding for everyone who participates on the circular economy. So whether you are cutting your landfill costs down by half or whether you're getting revenue from the different resources you have or whether you're able to prove to your consumers and other businesses that you work with that you are supporting these charities it's still building up your business's reputation and in the end that is going to be a lot more rewarding because you're actually able to provide traceability to these actions. Excellent and that is a fantastic segue into the next question that I had which was around the traceability. So how does Circler ensure the traceability of the waste and resources that are flowing through your platform? So the participants on the platform are actually verifying as they are getting it. Did you receive this? Yes. Much like when you are in an Uber, you were doing the rating systems, like was this Uber safe? Did you get to the location? Similar to that, if you were a business who said, hey, this was the waste stream and you accepted a trade from another business, those two businesses need to verify that, yes, this did actually happen. The amount was correct. And through that, we are able to trace it throughout the supply chain so that at the end, it is all transparent for those who are needing the information. All right, fantastic. Touching on that, actually, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that you could reward everybody along the supply chain via this traceability. So talk me through how that works. So for businesses that have different waste streams, as I said, you could be reducing your landfill costs. 
you could be proving your sustainable actions and you're actually going to have now data to verify these actions. So if you're saying that you have been adopting a circular economy, you have that data to show that, okay, these regions have helped or maybe you want to even broadcast what businesses that you are helping. And it's all transparent and it's just streamlining that whole data process that might be one person calling up different people to see if they want it, to see if they can come and collect it. It might be a lot more of a manual process than trying to collect this data, than somebody else trying to see, are you sure that person's using it? What are they using it for now? What is the batch number of this? We've just streamlined that to make it a lot more easier for businesses. Our hope was that people would adopt a circular economy because it's as easy as getting rid of your waste. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing Circular with us. There's a couple of non-business related things that I'd love to hear more about you from. So how old is Circular now? It's about a year old, isn't it? Yeah, it's coming up to a, a year old now. Right. So in that year, since you've started, you've built your platform, you've applied for some accelerator programs, and we can talk about those as well. But of note, towards the end of last year, Circular got invited to COP27. What was that experience like? COP27 was amazing. It was a really great experience for us because we were selected to go as part of a leading technology uh, fighting climate change. That was a huge honor to be a part of. And it was really great to get the opportunity to talk to different governments globally to understand what their stance is, what they are currently doing to adopt circular economies, what's been working, what hasn't been working. And the response for us was really positive. Many people really focus on a consumer level, how we are separating where the consumer waste is going. And it was really good to be able to talk to different businesses to understand the business level as well and what resources they are needing to be able to scale because it has been a scaling problem is trying to find enough resources to go to, to the next level. Coming from New Zealand, we are a country that actually has a lot of waste, especially when it comes to food waste. We have an oversupply. And where we did find a lot of interest in us was countries that didn't have enough supply. So they really wanted to make sure that they were making the most of what they had. It was good to see the two different sides of the story and understanding from different cities and regions what they were doing and how they were going for zero waste and what some of the problems were with zero waste. What we found was similar problems like, yes, we have collected the waste streams, we have it separated, but now what? It's a lot of the time it's still going overseas. It's not necessarily benefiting a lot of new businesses within that country or within the region. How can we facilitate that? Right. Excellent. So I brought up COP27 because that was taking place around the time you and I first had conversations. There's a couple more things that I'd like to touch on. One regarding COP27. Did you ever feel any conflicting feelings about having to travel so far to go to what is supposed to be a climate-related conference? And not just yourself, but all of the other delegates who were traveling from all corners of the world, emitting lots of carbon along the way. Yes and no. The reason why I say that is we obviously hadn't traveled for many years due to COVID. I think many people were in the same situation. We have exhausted the video calls and there was something so exciting about seeing a lot of these people who we already had these video calls with and seeing them face to face and just how fast things moved, being able to talk to people in person and being able to resolve a lot of issues, make new connections. 
it was really rewarding for us. And as I said, it was the first time we'd been out for a really long time. I'm from New Zealand and I live in a very rural area and I've never learned how to drive. Quite a few years of not driving for me. It really hurts coming back home and not having the public transport that we did have. But yeah, I think you need to weigh those things up. And I think it was really good to be able to come back from that for us, especially with so many things to move forward on, so many uh, new businesses to talk to, quite a few leads for us. It was really positive. And I guess... Is that related in any way, shape, or form to the lunches that you've had with the prime ministers? So for anybody who's listening and isn't aware, Sarah has had lunch with Sana Marin, prime minister of Finland. How did that pan out? Uh, that was really exciting to be invited to. I'm very grateful for the experience to be participating with a lot of great New Zealand businesses on the day. That was another one of those events where I don't think I would have ever sat at the same table with so many different businesses. And from that, like, yes, we did talk to a lot of businesses from Finland, but then there was a lot of connections with New Zealand businesses that we've been trying to get a hold of and people that we had already made some connections to, but finally we met in person. And I just think it was just really nice. Like we have spent a lot of time working on our own from a video. It was just really good to see people in person. And yeah, you can just get so much more from somebody's personality as well when it is in person. And these events are so incredibly rare. And it was such a cool event to go to. Not only was the food fabulous, I feel like I forgot what we had for lunch, even though it was amazing because I was just so excited with the conversation that was going on at our table. It was about biofuel. It was about different issues with like logistics in New Zealand. It was about new food that was coming out. It was like a different innovations coming from New Zealand and from Finland, the different circular economies. Like it was an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful to be a part of it. Sounds like there's a lot of exciting opportunity on the horizon. So how did you actually get invited to that lunch? Oh, I just gave her a call. No, <laughs> I was just very lucky. It was through NZT. They had invited us. We are about to start our fundraising round. So we are working with NZT on that. And so they put us forward to go to this lunch. All right. So for anybody outside of New Zealand, could you share with us what NZTE is? Uh, New Zealand Trade and Enterprise. So this is how we can connect through different businesses in New Zealand. And if we were about to go global, this is the government side of industry support, I guess. Okay. You also mentioned a race that's coming up. So what are the next steps for Circular in that case? Well, yes, we are currently at our raise. We're about to launch our product onto the App Store so other people can just sign up and join it now. And we are also in a accelerator at the moment. We're in the Orion Energy Accelerator. So with that, we are building critical mass for renewable energy plants and understanding what regions need these plants and where there is a gap in the market. So that will be coming to an end at the end of February. That's exciting for us. And again, it's still all very linked in within the food industry because we have a lot of different food waste going on. Some that's fantastic for more food products and also some that is fantastic for other options. Now, one of the great things about Circler, I guess, is that you're in touch with a whole bunch of organizations by the very nature of the platform itself. But are there any dream organizations that you'd want to partner with that you haven't already spoken to? Oh, yeah, I think I, I kind of hound a little bit and 
Air New Zealand on my post, to be quite honest. But I think that would be quite a dream to work with, only because we see that there is a lot of possibility there. Every time I'm on a plane, I'm like, oh, one airline needs to step forward and make this tray a little bit easier to sort so that we can actually do something with the different waste streams, even if it was just domestic or Australia, New Zealand starting off. I think that they are trying to be more sustainable. They're getting in their biofuel. But, you know, what if we can actually get a lot of those resources from New Zealand? What if we didn't have to keep importing it from overseas? What if we can reduce our own waste in this way? Well, hopefully someone from Air New Zealand hears this as well. And finally, there's yourself as co-founder and the other co-founder is your partner. We haven't spoken about him yet, but you've got complementary skill sets where you've got the design side of things and he's got the software side of things. Uh, are there any additional skills that you might be looking to add to Circular at all? Yeah, absolutely. As we're growing, we do a lot of talking to different businesses and understanding where their waste is going and what are some of the setbacks that they are having to fully adopt a circular economy. We will be looking at expanding our team and just getting other people on to help us with our customers and putting them onto the journey for circular economies and using the circular platform. There's a lot of onboarding happening at the moment, so we definitely need to expand our team. We're also parents to four children, so that really adds into the mix. Quite often you'll be having meetings and there's like a one-year-old baby that's throwing things around the kitchen and you try to be as professional as possible, but there's always some kind of distraction going on in the background. Well, thankfully none today. Okay, so looking forward to the far future, let's assume that everything works out for you and Circular. If everything goes right for you and your partner, what do you think the world looks like then? I think that there'll be more people that will be able to make sustainable businesses knowing that there are resources around them. I think that's a huge problem that we have, especially leaving um, Asia where there's always resources around, there's a lot of manufacturing around you because there are the resources. And then coming back home, it's like, oh, well, what? Well, okay, no, I've got to import things. It's like the first thing that you think of, but you don't actually have to do that anymore. We do have the resources here. And maybe if we knew the volume of the resources, we'll start having more capabilities to be able to do manufacturing, have the infrastructure ourselves. And then obviously we'd love to be able to connect up all the food supply chain within New Zealand and Australia first, and then we'd like to go within Asia as well. And again, that's connecting the big supermarkets to the suppliers, to all of the smaller manufacturers. I think there's a really cool way that we can make food a lot more affordable. I think there could be more opportunities for us to look into cosmetics as well from these different byproducts. There's just so much opportunity. We can even make our own packaging from a lot of the food waste that we have here. There are so many cool things that we could do and we're not doing it purely because we don't know if the resources are here. Excellent. Amazing. And that actually ties in quite well to an episode I did last season, which I will link to in the show notes as well. Now, you've rattled off a whole bunch of potential opportunities, which is amazing. Amazing to think that there are lots and lots of different ways that this could pan out. But like you said, you're a mom to four kids. There's all of this opportunity that you could reach out and try and grab for, but it's going to be a big commitment. So what do you think you personally need to do to help get there? Number one, we live in an area that doesn't quite have daycare. So that's my number one goal. I love my children, but it'll be so great to at least have two days per week where I don't have the one-year-old around. Really small goal, but, you know, that that's it. 
And when it comes to commitment, I feel that what we are doing now is actually more beneficial for the kids. The kids are all part of it. So I think it's really exciting. Excellent. All right, Sarah, thank you so much. I couldn't think of a better way to finish the conversation than on the word exciting. To finish off the episode, as you mentioned, there were potential opportunities to connect with you and additional skills that you might be looking for. So if anybody was interested in getting in touch, how can they reach you? Oh, just email me on Sarah, S-A-R-A at Circla, which is C-I-R-C-L-R dot N-Z, or find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Smith, or through our website, which is www.circla.nz. Excellent. I will stick all of those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you for having me. Sarah, thank you once again. That's it for today's episode of Promise. Be sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes on your favorite podcast platform. Do you think you or someone you know would have ideas worth sharing? Send me an email to sean at promise.fm. Otherwise, subscribe and stay tuned to learn from tomorrow's heroes and what we've got is Promise. Promise.